Hello, Lion Cook Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the Lion Cook Thoughts Podcast. So I want to start getting back into solo episodes. And the reason I stopped doing solo episodes is because I, you know, started a new job, things got busy, moved to a new place. And I feel like I'm at a point where I can kind of start doing these again. And I really enjoy the solo episodes because it kind of lets me give you my own insights and I love doing the interviews but I also like the outlet to kind of talk to you as an audience and kind of break things down um so please you know give me feedback on these episodes and these episodes are based on what you send me on Instagram or what you send me uh, via email the episodes are really based on you and what you want to hear and talk about um that's always what Lion Cook Thoughts has been about it's been about being a place where I talk about what the cooks of our industry want to hear so please keep sending me your podcast ideas. I, I put up the stickers for the questions and I get all the responses. And that's what I basically do them off. And this is what I'm going to be doing this episode about. So I just really wanted to talk to you all about a couple things um, in this intro before we get going. And first off is we're at 2,000 followers and we're growing strong. Um, it's amazing to me how many messages I've been getting with people thanking me for starting this. And I just wanted to thank you, whether you started following and listening when I was at 50 followers or you're starting to listen and follow when I'm at 2,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, The podcast is doing really well in terms of plays, and I'm just very excited for the growth this is having because I never thought it would grow this fast, and I always knew this would have a big impact for some people, but I didn't know I'd be reaching so many people in such a short amount of time, and I just feel completely humbled by it, and I'm forever grateful for just listening and hearing your stories and hearing what you have to say. Every single thought that you've sent me, I read like three times and I'm just like, wow, like this is a new perspective. And I've learned so much and gained so much about the industry. And I think I feel like I'm more in tune with the industry than ever before. Maybe not on what restaurants opening up or, you know, who's getting the stars in whatever country, but more so as I'm more in tune with how the general industry feels. And we're going to be talking about that in this episode. I kind of wanted to just give like a, a a podcast where I can just talk about how the messages I received, the thoughts I received. And I just wanted to reflect on that because I feel like I haven't done that in a while. Um, and I did my first couple of episodes in the beginning. Uh, they touched on different topics, but I, I didn't think they were good enough. So I really wanted to take the time to really go in depth on episodes. So this one's going to be about, um, you know, teaching versus showing uh, why it's better to teach someone rather than to show someone. And that's a big part because in the industry, when you get a chef who's rushing and he just doesn't really have any, you know, connection with you, he's just going to show you something or she's going to just show you something once and that's it. And that's not how you learn. That's not how you become productive. And that's not how you move forward. Um, the next up, uh, I'm going to be talking about how uh, saying young cooks need to pay dues before finding success is kind of bullshit. Um, this is from Chef Kwame. Uh, if you don't know him, he's a CIA grad and... He went on, went on to open a restaurant in D.C. It didn't ultimately go as he planned, and he learned a lot from it. Um, but he's coming out with a new book, and it's a memoir of him. And he's a young chef. I believe he's only 28. Um, but I really like his message because he he kind of breaks down the fact that you don't need to be, you know, old and very experienced to have a voice in the industry. And I mean, that's what I'm all about here at Line Cook Thoughts. That's what I feel you are all about. And I just wanted to get more in depth into what he had to say about about it on his Eater article. When his book comes out, I'm going to read it. And I want to do an episode, at least part of an episode based on that. So that's also another topic I'm going to be talking about. And uh, another topic is the, you know, we've talked about it before, but being burnt out. I wanted to go more in depth into burnt out because a lot of new listeners are asking me how I deal with getting burnt out. So I really want to go more in depth on that. And then lastly, uh, skills competitions and relationship in the culinary world. And then I've gotten a lot of requests for uh, self-care. I do have a episode coming up um, in the near future about well-being outside of the kitchen, which I'm very excited to share with y'all. And I'm really pumped to be able to share that with everyone in the Line Cook Nation. But uh, I just want to give you an update on what our episode is going to be about today. Um, don't forget that I made shirts for y'all. It's uh, linecookthoughts.com. And I, was able, I tried pricing them. You know, as cheaply as possible, the shirts and the hats I mean, uh, that say Lion Cook Nation, they're $20 a piece. And if I've helped you in any way and you want to give back, I mean, that's really the only way monetarily, I guess, that you can give back to me. Um, you know, obviously sharing and putting my name out there helps me more than anything else. But if you did want to go 
that extra mile, you know, feel free to buy a shirt. I think it would be so cool to see you prepping in a shirt or prepping in, you know, under your chef coat, wearing that under your chef coat and to work every day. I just think it would be such a cool thing to see cooks around the industry do that. So just let you know at linecookthoughts.com. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's been supporting me with the podcast. I've been getting so many good reviews and so many good um, messages from people saying we like the guests and whatnot. And something I did want to touch on is <laughs> I got actually got my uh, first really negative review. And it was talking about um, how sometimes on the podcast, I seem to want to get to the point with the questions. And I'm just, I just wanted to explain it in a way that's like, I, uh, I, I am very respectful of the guests and very respectful of their time. And I don't want to take anything away from them. And going forward, I am going to be working on a more of a conversational type podcast with uh, interviews. Um, but I just want to be honest and say, like, that's the reason I focus more on questions is because I, I know that the chefs I'm talking to have a certain amount of time. They're chefs, right? And I don't want to, you know, spend the time really talking all about me. So, you know, it's something I'm working on, but it's something I want to make you all aware of. Um, just going forward, that's what I'm going to be focusing on. I just want to be honest with you all and keep you updated on is that knowing that I know I have uh, ways to improve. And I'm trying my best to improve them. And, you know, it's always good to get that negative feedback um, because it all it just helps me grow and inspires me to do better. So that's just a couple updates on the channel um, and the podcast. <laughs> so basically, I wanted to go back to doing uh, two podcasts a week, uh, maybe one with just me, one with interviews. One week might be two interviews. Not quite sure how we're going to do it yet, but podcast is a medium that I found for me, that allows me to relieve stress and clear my mind and just talk to people and kind of create outside of the kitchen. And it's something that's been very rewarding for me. And if you're a cook and you're stressed and you have a lot going on, I mean, my biggest piece of advice is to add one more thing to your plate and do something that's not necessarily cooking outside of the kitchen and do something creative. You know, it doesn't have to be podcasting. It could be drawing, it could be painting. It could be reading, like reading a new book. It could be writing a book. Um, but whatever it is, you need to have that medium. And podcasting for me right now is my medium. It's something that I look forward to on my days off. I'm excited to do it. And I really don't like sitting around all day in bed just hanging out. I mean, there are those days that I do have that watching Netflix. Um, just finished, just recently finished uh, watching Breaking Bad, which was amazing. But um, I really like to do podcasts because it allows me to just kind of not vent, but get my ideas and thoughts on in the industry out there as well and meet so many new people and learn so much. Um, so that's my last thing is that I want to have the podcast back to two a week. Um, if that gets too much, I'll let you know, but I think I should be good with it. And I just like keeping it honest with y'all because I don't want any surprises coming up. Um, when this does drop though, it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, I'm recording this, uh, Monday, so it's going to come out Wednesday. Um, you're, you're not going to know what's happening until I drop it. Um, so for those of you who like to listen to the podcast, here you go. This is your second podcast for the week. Um, so yeah, I want to get into the episode and like I said, thank you so much. I know I say thank you every episode and I don't want it to sound stale, but every time y'all just tune in and listen, even if it's for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you just give me some part of your day, some time away from whatever it is you're doing in life to just listen to what I have to say. It means so much. Like I can't explain that enough. I'm getting your attention and, you know, in an industry where people really don't have the time to, you know, fool around. And so you're giving me some of your hard-earned time. So just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for letting me be the person that you listen to and you go to for some advice or for some news or for some new viewpoints. And I'm just very grateful for that opportunity. And I'm going to say thank you every episode because I feel so grateful about it. So like I said, Lion Cook Nation, thank you so much. And here we go. Okay, so I wanted to start out with uh, the topic of teaching versus showing. And this was sent in to me on Instagram by uh, at Chef Cliff Smith. And basically what I want to talk about is why it's important to teach and, you know, not show. And, you know, there's that old Bible verse where, you know, you give a man a fish, he eats for a day, you teach him how to fish, he eats for the rest of his life. Um, and that's really true in cooking. I mean, you can't... So I'll give you an example, I guess, or I'll give you... Um, just a thought that I have in my mind, when, like the initial thought I have when I'm thinking about being shown something in the kitchen. And imagine you're in service and you're super busy and you're behind on your prep and your chef knows you're behind on your prep. Maybe your chef's behind on their prep and you need to get something done. You need to get your prep list done. You need to get an item knocked out of the prep list. And you're just 
like just needs to get done, right? And that chef who, um, you know, he's rushing or she's rushing, and you know, you're really just he's they're just really trying to get whatever job needs to be done done. And they show you the the prep item, and they're like, "All right, I'll teach you this tomorrow. Let's just, you know, just watch me real quick, and then we'll do it tomorrow." All right, so cool, sounds good. I've had it happen to me before. Sounds good. Next day, same thing. You're rushing. You're running around. You're not really sure how to do what the chef taught you yesterday. So they come over again today, and they're like, "All right, uh, I'm just going to show you now. I have other things to get to, and then I'll get back to you." And then you're like, "All right, okay. Well, you know, maybe we'll get shown the third day." Third day rolls around. Maybe your chef just does it. Maybe he or she shows you again. And you're just like, all right, so I'm not really learning. I'm just being shown this. And then the next day you try it on your own and you try doing that prep item yourself. It's not as what as good as a chef wanted it to be. The chef's mad at you. The chef's upset with you. And you go home defeated and you go home like, damn, like I tried to do what you showed me, but you really didn't show me well enough. You might not even realize you weren't shown well enough. And you're just like, you know, do I really suck? Like, can I not follow simple directions? Like, how did I not get what that chef just showed me? And I just want to talk about that because that's not the case. The case is that everything in a kitchen can be learned. Um, I think that's why I love the industry so much is that everything in a kitchen can be taught and learned. And it doesn't, you have to have good skill. But, you know, I was a person who wasn't really that skilled in the kitchen when I started. And I don't consider myself the best cook. Um, but I consider myself a good listener. And I consider myself someone who can learn. And I feel like that's what you should be striving for when you're in the kitchen. It's not about being the best. And it took me a long time, especially in culinary school, to realize that. Uh, when I started culinary school, I was, you know, I was very not approachable. I wanted to be the best. I had a huge chip on my shoulder. I wanted to prove to everyone that I was better and I could be the best chef in the kitchen. And, you know, I just wanted to be the tough, you know, leader who could do everything everyone else couldn't and then just scoff at everyone when they couldn't do it. And that's not how you got to be in a kitchen. You have to be respectful. You have to be humble. You have to be willing to, you know, let others in and know that others are better at certain things than you are. And it's not about being better. It's about working as a team. And, you know, you can't just go into a kitchen and just be like, you know, I'm the best and I'm just going to, you know, destroy everyone on prep. And maybe you are that chef who can go in and do that. But if you act like that, you're never going to get a relationship with your employees or your colleagues or your coworkers that last. So getting back to like the showing versus teaching, you know, anything in the kitchen can be learned. And in that sense, you can learn something. You just have to have a good teacher or you have to be very, very persistent in how you learn. And for me, a big thing that I learned uh, in a short amount of time when I started working in kitchens is to ask questions. And a lot, a lot of the chefs I worked for, you know, would get mad, you know, or annoyed. They'd be like, right, like, you can't ask a question right now. We're in the middle of service. But I really got accustomed to asking as many questions as I could because I just wanted to learn how to do things right. And there were chefs who were very kind and chefs who took the time out of their day and out of their busy schedule to show me things. I just put up a post with my chef, Ross, who I got to interview on the podcast. And he was one of those people who would take time and stay after long shifts and just teach me things and go over things with me because he knew that that was the time to do it. And I would be a better cook for him the next day if he had taught me that. Um, chef Cody Castiglia, he's a chef I had um, when I was working in high school and then the start of college. He was another person. He would take me to his house sometimes and show me how to cook things, show me how to pickle ramps, show me how to make a pesto for the first time. And he really was a great role model and mentor because he, he teaches now. He does teaching or cooking classes. So what comes with teaching a cook is more than just them learning the technique or the way to prep something, it comes with a relationship builder. It helps you grow closer to that cook. So this is, for anybody out there who leads cooks, you have to teach. You can't just show. Because just showing is just you getting through the day and that's it. And if you're a leader in the kitchen, you have more responsibility. You have more to do than just show a cook something. You have a responsibility to kind of you know, teach. That's what a leader does. They teach, they lead by example, but they teach. You're a teacher at the end of the day. And if you're just going to sit there and show someone how to do something every single day, you're not only wasting their time, but you're wasting yours. Whereas if you took five extra minutes out of your day to teach that cook something, you know, it'd be so much better. It's like a walk-in. I think of it as like a walk-in. If you go in the walk-in and you just throw stuff in there and that's it, Every day, it's just going to be a struggle to get things. But if you take a couple extra minutes every day to just straighten out the walk-in, mop it, clean it, clean down the shelves, get all the sauce off of the containers, 
get a sauce in them, you know, organize your herbs. Every day it's going to be easier and better for you. So you can't, you can't just expect a cook to just be shown something. You have to take the time and teach them. And nobody can learn if you're just rushing through it. And like, there was a lot of times where I've worked for chefs where I couldn't even pull out my notebook and they were done. And like for me, like that was a big thing is having a notebook. So if you're teaching someone something, chefs, please just give them an extra five minutes. Like take the time and just remember how it was when you were learning things. And if you had a bad example of a leader who just taught you on the fly, know that that won't work out for everyone. The cooks out there who are getting taught always have a notebook on you. That's my biggest piece of advice is to always have a notebook on you and always be writing things down. Um, my notebook, you if you if I showed you my notebook, you probably wouldn't understand it. It doesn't make sense. There's just notes in there that I jotted down. I don't even sometimes – I read my notebook, but I don't sometimes read everything. I just jot it down, and it stays in my mind because I took the act of having to remember it so I could write it down. And if you're not even writing it down, it's just going to go in your head and out the other side, and that's not good. So at the same time, while chefs have to be patient and they have to like work with you, you also have to be a good listener, and that's the biggest thing in a kitchen. In a kitchen, the I found the people who make it the farthest are the ones who can listen the easiest. The ones who can just listen to their coworkers and who don't really have an ego and they can put it aside and just be like, all right. And a big thing about learning stuff is doing things that aren't a part of your quote unquote job. And I hate the phrase whenever a cook uses, you know, that's not my job. Um, can you please do this? Oh, that's not my job. That's so-and-so station's job. And there's really no jobs. Um, at least in my point of view, in a kitchen, you're a team. And if someone calls out or if someone can't, you know, hold on or can produce as much as they need to that day, you need to go in and help them out. I really hate the culture where you have to bring others down and where you have to focus on everyone being lesser than you. And that's how you create an environment that people don't work together well in. And that's where you create a dysfunctional kitchen. So if you're a cook, you know, never say it's not my job. Never say, you know, this isn't what I'm supposed to do. You're, you're there at the end of the day to help make the team efficient and successful and as proficient as possible. And if you're just going to like not be able to do more than your job, then you're not going to succeed in that kitchen. And just know that there's always going to be someone in the kitchen who goes above and beyond, and they're always going to be ahead of you. And no matter how skilled you are and no matter how good you think you are, you're never going to excel as much as a person who puts the time and effort to do the work for others, at least help others a little bit. Because at the end of the day, that's what – at least in my case, I would look for someone who takes more pride in other people's work. Like they actually like care that the whole team succeeds because at the end of the day, when you're a chef, it, you can't just say, Oh, that's not my job. You're going to have to do things. You're going to have to cover people's stations. You're going to have to clean out the walk-in when everyone else is busy. You're going to have to do numbers. You're going to have to make scheduling and like, what? Oh, it's not your job to do one more thing. Who's going to do it if you can't the chef. And there are a lot of chefs out there who think, because they're the chef, they don't have to do anything either. And so I guess what the bigger picture I'm trying to get at through the teaching and showing thing is when you teach people effectively and you teach people right, they are more likely to do things for others. If you just show someone something, then it's like, all right, so their job was to show me. My job was to effectively do this, and that's it. But when a cook sees you actually take time out of your day to meaningfully show you how to do a technique or a prep item, your, your cook is so much more valuable to you because they're going to be like, all right, chef took time out of his prep, out of his busy day to show me this. Maybe I can take time to help someone else out. And you just instill this culture of people being there for each other. And like I said, if you just have a kitchen where nobody's there for each other, it, do, it doesn't work. It's not effective. It's not how teams work. And it's not, at the end of the day, how you're going to be successful. And that old culture of, you know, you're just a cog in the machine is over. People want to feel valued. They want to feel like when they walk into work, they have meaning. And the best way for you to do that is to take it upon yourself and to create, to make yourself a meaningful employee. Help people out. Do the stuff that you're not supposed to do, quote unquote. And just be there and be the team player that maybe other people aren't willing to be. And if you're in a job and you really don't want to be a team player, maybe that place isn't for you. Maybe the job isn't for you. Maybe because if you're passionate about something, you should be doing whatever it possibly takes to get to the next level. Um, yeah, I mean, that's my thoughts on it. And I think it's very troubling to know that there's chefs out there who don't see teaching as a main priority of their, of their job function. I mean, as a chef, that's probably the most important thing you do before 
going for Michelin stars or wanting to get awards, you should want to be a good teacher. Because if you can't teach and you can't lead, you're never going to acquire any of those things. And I mean, that's all I really have to say on it. So I just wanted to thank Chef Cliff Smith for, you know, taking the time to send that in because this is something as I talk to a lot more young cooks and they send me their, send me their thoughts, you know, they want to be valued. They want to be treated right. And if you're someone listening to this, who's like, Oh, well back in the day, you know, it was so difficult for me. Like it should be difficult for them. It's how we get better cooks. It's not because you don't want to create people who are bitter towards the industry. That doesn't work. Only like you need to be positive because the negativity is going to be come through their failures and it's going to come through them not doing well on certain days. So there's no reason to add extra negativity. This industry will always be harsh. This industry will always be harsh. This industry is always going to be challenging. There's always going to be a physical demand, a mental demand, an emotional demand from you every single day you go to work, whether it's in fine dining or fast casual. Whenever you're in the food industry, there's always going to be a high price to pay for working in the food industry. And there's no reason to give someone else a more negative viewpoint on it just because you went through a harder time. So please, teach your cooks right. Cooks, please be easy to teach and easy to coach, but also be persistent when wanting to learn something and just have an open mind. And when you have an open mind and you're humbled and you're able to learn really well and you're able to teach really well, you just have this harmonious team that does amazing things. And I can't stress that enough. Stop living in the the old age where, you know, if you can't learn something after the first try, you can't be taught. That doesn't exist anymore. If you can't teach someone, you can't survive in this industry. And that's what it's all about. And that's why you see people like Thomas Keller and Daniel Balloon, who, you know, they, they're able to breed these big name chefs like Grant Atkins to go on and do their own things because they were so good at teaching and giving their employees empowerment and being able to let them go and do whatever they want in a sense that's like, you know, the I read something once where the best employer, the best leader is someone who lets your employees go out and do whatever they need to do. And that's so true. And teaching an employee that, you know, that your job might not be the only job. And, you know, but what happens is when an employee goes out and they find a new job and they realize that they weren't as good as you were, they're more likely to come back and want to work for you. And that's the big lesson at the end of the day is when you build these relationships and this trust, even if an employee leaves, they're more likely going to come back because you trust them and they trust you and you wanted to teach them and impact them in a positive way. So please keep that in mind. And thank you, Cliff Smith, for sharing. All right. Our next, um, I guess, thought that was sent in our last our next podcast topic is sent in by TJ Blue. He says, maybe the struggle of working 15 hours a day, six days a week and how draining it can be. All right. So I did a podcast on this a while ago. I didn't like really the, I guess I didn't, I wasn't very proud of what I put out. So I just wanted to get into a little more depth on being burnt out in the kitchen. Uh, I'm not going to go as long as the whole podcast, but I did want to give you some tips and some thoughts and viewpoints on how I feel about getting burned out in the kitchen. So obviously if you're a cook listening to this, you've been working 15, 16 hour days six days a week. And it feels like you have no time outside of work. It feels like your life's totally consumed by that. And this is an issue. Um, this is something I was just listening to Justin Kana's episode, his latest podcast. And he was talking about how, you know, having maybe having a four day work week might be better. Um, or allowing cooks to take weeks off to travel might be helpful. And I totally agree. And I just want to get in depth on the fact that this if you're going in the industry, you have to know you're going to be working long hours. And I really wish it wasn't the case. And I know a lot of cooks will see that as being weak, asking for less hours and not being able to handle it. But you need time outside of work to kind of get your bearings and do other things besides your job. And I feel like that's the biggest thing is that Whenever you work in like restaurants, I feel like that's all that matters. And it's important to know you have an outside life. And you know, you have to go in every day into work and give it your all. But when you leave work, like you it's okay to have some sort of hobby outside of work or some sort of commitment outside of work. And I think it's important to have those constant things outside of work. Otherwise, it's not going to be a very fruitful, relaxing time off for you. And I think the worst thing you can do when you work that long is to sit in bed all day. I think you need to do meaningful, engaging activities to be able to be better uh, prepared to go back into work and be rejuvenated. I think the worst thing to do is sit in bed all day and, you know, watch Netflix, you know, spend your morning doing that, spend your night doing that, but get out a little bit, go and, 
you know, maybe grab lunch or go for a walk. Or if it's cold outside, just, you know, cook something for yourself at home. How was the last time you actually went home and cooked something for yourself? I talked to a lot of cooks and, you know, I'm like, what do you cook for yourself at home? It's usually not a lot because they're so tired of cooking in the restaurant. But I also, I think it's really important when you cook at home uh, once in a while, I'm not saying all the time, to just cook yourself a good meal because you deserve it. Like you work so hard, you deserve to have good tasting food. So you should cook yourself a good meal. Um, other things I would suggest is like just read books um, and just do things that engage your mind more than just like watching TV. Um, you know, it sounds kind of weird, but playing video games for me for a long time was something that I really enjoyed because it was engaging and it took my mind off of, you know, working. And maybe TV is that for you. Um, and maybe video games can be that for you, but something maybe a little more like creativity or working out or, you know, maybe going to a, a class on art or on crafting, on sculpting or something, going to a museum. I just really suggest doing something that isn't working at home. And like, I just went out with friends today. I went out with um, my good friend, Rebecca, and her boyfriend, Eric, and we went out and we had a good time. And I went and got hand-pulled noodles for the first time. And I went and we had Korean um, shaved ice, which I've never had before. And it was a half a day. And now the re next, rest of the day, I'm going to be doing my podcast. And I'm probably going to chill in bed for a little bit and read a book. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, when you have long shifts, when you work a lot of hours during the week, try to make at least half of your day something productive or something new that you haven't done before. Because if you get in this redundant, boring schedule on your days off of just sleeping and laying in bed and doing nothing, you're going to get burnt out. And I think that's how you get burnt out at work. I mean, you're always going to need vacation at some point. There's no doubt about that. But when your days off are the same and they're never not the same, that is a quicker road to burning yourself out. So TJ, that's my advice is you need to go do something that isn't just sitting around all day on your days off. And I know it's hard to think about because you're like, oh my God, like I need this day to just chill. And we're, I'm going to have an episode um, dedicated to saying why that's okay. But if you're feeling burnt out, even on your days off, it's probably because what you're doing on your day off isn't helping relieve the stress of the day before. Because when you're in bed, you're probably just thinking about the day before anyway. You need to do something that's engaging so you can get your mind off of it. And that's that's basically it. I mean, I'm not saying all day either, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, just get out of the house, get out of the apartment, whatever it is you do. And you know, you're probably cooks, you might not have a lot of money. You, know, you don't need a lot of money to go to a museum. You don't need a lot of money to go walk around and, you know, put music in and just explore wherever you're living. Um, take a drive somewhere. You know, when it gets nicer out, we have spring coming around the corner. Go fishing or just go sit by the water. Um, just do something that breaks up the monotony of your house. Because, like I said, when you have the same schedule over and over again, that's how you get burnt out. And so, I mean, that's my thoughts on it. And I would love if we worked four days a week. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting that. I think that's an important, I think it's important to have that creative process outside of work. And I'm really like an advocate for people having more than just work, like having a side project, having a side hustle. And for me, I mean, obviously I'm biased to the advice, but for me, that's my biggest piece of advice is have something you're always working on outside of work that you can throw an hour at each day off. Because it then gives meaning to your days off and you have something else you're working on and work isn't your sole focal point. If I didn't have the podcast or the Instagram or like Line Cook Thoughts, I'd probably be really stressed out because I have a lot going on. But when you're able to just do something else for a little bit and put your mind towards something else and put your effort towards something else, it's very beneficial for you in the long run. So TJ, that's my advice. And for anyone out there, like that's my advice for being burnt out. It's just really make sure you have something you can work on outside of work. And then finally, having a conversation with your chef that, hey, I'm burnt out. You know, as mental health starts to be a bigger and bigger topic in the industry, not an issue because it's always been something we haven't focused on, you need to have these conversations with your chef and your chef should be able to have that conversation with you. If I, if I, know, I know that when I say this, a lot of you are going to think I'm crazy and be like, I can never say this. But if you need a day where you just can't take it anymore and you need a day off, you need to tell your chef. And if they're really like that upset with you, like maybe it's not the best relationship you have with them. Maybe it's not the best place to be because if you really just need a day and you can't like handle the stress and you just need a day off, you should be able to get that. There's nothing wrong with that. Your importance, your health 
is what comes first. And you need to realize that and you need to recognize that. So that's my last piece of advice is having an open conversation with your chef. And more likely than not, your chef's feeling the same way. But our industry is so stigmatized into, you know, just keep rushing and pushing and going forward that you never really have a chance to, like, breathe and think about things. And I think that's why the most successful companies, you know, or the successful restaurant groups, you put your all in at work. But they also, like, understand that you need a day off to relax and just, you know, hang out and go do something else. And I think that's really important. So just have an open conversation, especially if you're a young cook. Because I know, including myself, like a lot of young cooks, they'll just push themselves and grind themselves day in, day out. You want to be the best. You want to get, you know, you want to get ahead as quickly as possible. And, you know, one of the best piece of, pieces of advice I've ever heard was from Gary Vee. Uh, he says, be patient. Um, he says, just be patient. Like, you have life. You have time. And, you know, life is never, you know, life is never guaranteed. Never, there's never like, a, oh, yeah, you're going to live to this certain age. But if everything goes as planned, you have time. So just, like, be okay with needing a day to relax and a day to just focus on something else and having that conversation with your chef. That's my last piece of advice. And if you're a chef out there, like, it's important. Just please consider it. If you're a leader of people, please consider that your cooks might be getting burnt out and they might need a day off. And just be okay with that. And I know in our industry, it's so demanding and it's so, like, stressful and there's so much riding on the people you employ but you're going to gain better employees if you understand them and have that relationship with them and there's a difference between someone calling off every day every week um but if there's someone who's been in there like a year or two years or even six months that they've been there every day they come in on their days off and they're just telling you hey i might need an extra day this week because something in my family happened or something um personal is happening or someone's even coming to visit in town you should be okay with giving them that and I've been blessed to work at places where everyone, where they've been completely understanding and just find those places that are like that and really just stick to the chefs that are like that. Because it's not, at the end of the day, it's not all about cooking. It's about building relationships with your colleagues. And the best places are are the places where you've had cooks there for years because they trust and they have those relationships and they build them with the chefs. So chefs, please be aware of your cooks being burnt out. If you're a cook that's burnt out right now, have that conversation. And make sure you're doing something productive outside of work. Otherwise, you're never going to break up the monotony of, you know, being burnt out. Thank you, TJ, for sharing. All right. So the next topic was uh, submitted by Ricketron at Ricketron on Instagram. And basically, this one is discussing the Eater article that was posted this past week. And it says, saying young cooks need to pay dues before finding success is kind of bullshit. And the uh, you know subtitle is in Kwame Onwachi's new memoir, the chef questions what it means to be ready. And right off the bat, um, before even you know talking about what Chef Kwame had to say, I'm gonna weigh in a little bit on my own opinion. And um, basically, I, I kind of I do I agree with him, and I kind of don't agree with him. I have two sides to it. So my first side of paying dues is kind of what he expresses in the article is paying dues in a sense that you need to do it for yourself. When you pay dues, you pay dues. You shouldn't be paying dues to bolster someone's ego. You shouldn't be paying dues um, standing on the false sense that you need to make other people's egos be good before you go and do your own path. That you somehow need to be at the bottom for a certain amount of time until someone else gives you the go ahead to go to do it. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't. Your paying dues shouldn't be that you're always stuck at the bottom until someone sees. Oh, hey, they've they've they're done enough. They can go on and be successful now. No, like if you're if you're able to do what you're about to do next, you should do that. And I think Chef Kwame is an example of that, where he wanted to open his restaurant at a young age, and you know he had some trials and tribulations with it. But now he has his new restaurant out, and he's writing a memoir about it. And I mean, I think that's admirable, and I think I have a lot of respect for him in that regard because I'm tired of the old, you know, the old way of the industry where someone is always at the bottom until a chef at a higher power says, all right, you can move up. You can do good now. Now in a sense of promotions and, you know, becoming a sous chef, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a cook who for this or that feels that they can't move on until a chef tells them, all right, you, you're okay to be more successful now. All right. It's okay for you to get paid more money now. Like, no, like the paying dues in the sense that you shouldn't be getting paid well, you should have a terrible lifestyle um, just as like a hazing into the industry should not be a thing. You should get paid well right out of the start. You should be treated fairly right out of the start, and you should be given the opportunities everyone else has right out of the start. 
Um, no matter where you come from, like you should have the same opportunities to succeed. And unfortunately, in our industry, sometimes that's not the case. And I think that's what Chef Kwame is really getting at is you have to do it for yourself. In the article, that's what he says. You have to pay dues for yourself. I mean, who are you paying dues for? You might be paying dues to a chef who you can't even relate to, who you can't even like look up to because you know they might not even see you as someone who's going to be successful. So you really just have to be your biggest fan, your biggest inspiration, and the person who you have to be the person who's going to back yourself up the most. And I think you pay dues by working hard and putting yourself out there. I don't think paying dues is just, you know, going through the treasury of prep work day in, day out. And then after like two years, all right, you've peeled enough carrots, you can go on to the next part of your career. No, if you are ready to move on to the next part of your career, and only you can know this, then do it. And don't be hindered by what other people might think or what other people might say. If you're someone who's, uh, you know, you, you're going to progress faster than others, and they're going to be like, well, you weren't, haven't been doing this as long. You don't deserve that. That's, that is BS. You deserve to do what you need to do to get ahead and do what you need to do to succeed and excel. Um, it's like this in sports. It's like this in every other profession. Um, I, it's just in the, I mean, in the cooking industry, obviously, I have more of light shown on it where, you know, a lot of cooks feel like they all have to be in the same pot. It's like the crab in the pot metaphor is, one, as they're cooking, like, you know, one might try to escape, but the other one pulls them down. They're never going to get out of the pot. It's the same type of mentality um, when you talk about paying dues. I do think it's important to work hard and to do all of the prep work a little bit and to mop the floors and to sweep even when you are a chef. I think it's very important to do that. But for me, that's not paying dues. That's just doing your job and being respectful of the colleagues around you. For me, paying dues is working hard every day and putting your all into everything and showing day in and day out that you can be a valuable asset and then getting rewarded based on that. I don't think everyone should think that I just think everyone should get promoted because, you know, for no reason, like, no, you earn what you get in this industry. You get in what you, you take away what you put in and that's the case. And, but there shouldn't be some stipulation Oh, except you've only been in it for six months. You know, you might be ready to move on, but because you've only been in it six months and you haven't paid your dues, you shouldn't be moving forward. And that's what I'm trying to get away from this is that I agree. I I think if you're young and you're talented and you have the ability to open your own restaurant or help helm a restaurant group or write your own book or start pop-up dinners, you know, with a couple of friends, and you might not have the repertoire that some of the big name chefs have in the industry but you're trying and you're doing your best and it's coming from an honest place, I think you should be doing that. I think dues have been paid. And I'm tired of the old world, you know, approach that you can't progress at a young age in the industry because we're seeing more and more, whether it's a chef on social media or it's a chef who's doing pop-up dinners and gaining a lot of fame or it's someone with a certain niche in cooking or baking, as we talked about with Chef Zabrowski, you can do so much now. And the fact that you have to pay a certain due because someone else's ego is going to get hurt because you did it in a quicker way. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, that's just how life is. I think Gary Vaynerchuk, who inspired me to do all this, says it the best. Like, times change. People change. And, like, like sorry, your feelings might get hurt a little bit. But, you know, if someone's getting something faster than you got in your time, that's just because times change. And what are you going to do? Like, you spending the time hating on them is only taking away from your success and your story. So I totally agree with Chef Kwame on that. And I'm very excited to read his book when it comes out. Um, I think they said it's releasing in so, some sometime in April. Yeah, April 9th. And it's called Notes from a Black Chef, or Notes from a Young Black Chef. And I'm just very excited to read it. I'm very excited to see what he has to say. I'm very excited to kind of get his view on it because he's someone who's gone against the grain and kind of, you know, done his own path. And, you know, whether you agree with what he says or not, it's very admirable to me to have someone who does their own thing and has the confidence to go ahead and do what they need to do. It's like a breath of fresh air because our industry sometimes can be so focused on, you know, I just pay respect to certain chefs and I have to make sure every chef above me feels, you know, like I'm being respectful of them. But I think the biggest way to pay respect to your mentors and your chefs is doing your own thing and letting what they teach you be a guiding force in that and not, discounting yourself. I think if someone's invested the time into teaching you and mentoring you, they see the value in yourself and they want you to succeed. And that shouldn't even be a worry in your mind. So please, like if you are ready to take that next step, do it. And don't just because you've been in a position for three months and you're able to go to the next station, but you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm sorry, but that's just how life is. Sometimes you need to move. You need to be successful and you need to worry about yourself and you need to be there for others and support others too. But you can't 
be held back by the opinion of by the negative opinion of someone else. You can't let that hold you back, especially you know with life being so short in an industry where things move so quickly. If your chance is now, then take it and don't look back. And that being said, don't throw under anybody else under the bus. Don't you know step on others to get on top. You know the biggest way to succeed in this industry is to give. And to really put yourself out there and offer help and support. And that's how you're going to grow. And that, in a sense, is how you pay your dues. But don't be held back by every, anyone else's opinion. Do your own thing and just, you know, say screw it at some point and just do what you need to do. Um, for me, paying my dues in podcasting. I mean, this is my 17th episode. Uh, I'm not as great as I'd love to be, but I'm learning and I'm growing and I just did it. I never thought I'd have a podcast a year ago and I love them. I love podcasts. The reason I podcast is because. I love hearing different viewpoints and different conversations from different people. I listen to three or four different podcasts a week. Sometimes I listen to two or three a day. Um, and my ways to work and at home, um, you know, maybe doing the dishes or whatnot. But it's always important that you just do what you need to do. And that was something that, you know, it took a long time to get. And Gary Vaynerchuk really helped me on the social media end of things. But I've had a lot of great mentors who, you know, whether it be going to the best culinary school or applying for a competition that I didn't even get to go into, or, you know, just going and seeing California. Like there's so many things, there's so many mentors who have been great for me. And if there's no one in that, like that in your career right now, let me be that person to tell you, do what you think you need to do. Take that next step, take the risk, and you're going to be better off for it for better or worse. And don't let others opinion, don't let anyone else's opinion hold you, opinion hold you back. And please don't let anyone else's opinion hold you back. Because that's the quickest way to regret, and that's the quickest way to burn yourself out. You need to grow. You need to be able to spread your wings, and you need to be able to show what you're made of. And like I said, if you're interested in more, you can read the Eater article. You can get Chef Kwame's book. But like I said, I'm very excited. And thank you, at Ricketron, for sharing this. And what I'm talking about kind of goes into what at Chad Bosquez said about competition. He wanted me to touch on that. And I think competition is great because it allows you to – kind of get out there and spread your wings and see what else is out there. Um, for me, uh, I'll share a story. This last fall, I applied to the Comey competition under Mentor BKB. And it was something I was really all, like, I was going for. Like, I was very excited to be a part of it. Um, I applied. I wrote my essay. I had it, like, checked. I had my letters of recommendation in place. Um, I was ready to go. Uh, it was something I wanted so bad. I was I remember waiting. You you got a phone call to see if you get, get in or not. You If you got in, you would receive a phone call. And I was at service, and it was like a four-hour window. And I remember waiting and waiting and waiting for this phone call. And, you know, I was so excited for this competition, and I just wanted to – I thought this was my shot to just show everyone that I could do it, that I could get there. You know, it was like almost like a movie. Like, this is a competition that's going to get my name out there to all these chefs, and I'm finally going to be recognized, and I'll finally get all the recognition I need – and I'm going to, this is like my jumping off point for my career where I'm going to really get to kick it into gear. And I remember waiting for that phone call and it never came. Um, and I emailed, you know, the person who I was talking to about the competition. I was like, Hey, like, just want to make sure I wasn't getting in. Cause I really was like, wanted this. And I remember like on my way home from work that night, you know, I was crying. I, I was, I was emotionally like upset. I was emotionally shook because I had predicated my whole career on whether or not I would get into this competition. And, you know, that was the wrong way of thinking about it. And it sucks. It sucks being told no. But the, my chef told me later, like, the fact that I even applied, the fact that I even tried to get in shows that, like, you know, I was confident in myself. And that's what I have to take away from it. So that's what I'm going to talk about right now is if you go into a competition, even if you lose, even if you get second place, third place, you know, we live in a society where – First place really matters, but then we give out – also, we can give out trophies to, like, up to eighth place. It shouldn't be about – it shouldn't always be about winning. Yes, you want to win. Yes, you want to be the best. Yeah, of course. That's what a competition is. But the fact that you tried where thousands of others didn't shows the strength and confidence and courage you have. So I would always suggest to compete, even if you don't place, even if you don't get it the first time, always compete. Because you learn so much about yourself, you learn so much from others, and you get to make connections you would never have thought possible, and you get to see things you never would have thought you've seen before. Um, I did a lot of competitions in high school, I did competitions in college, and it really was just fun to meet the people I met. I never would have met these people, and it's cool because you get to meet people who have the same 
mindset as you. And if you're like not sure whether or not you should apply for a competition, you've never done one before, just do one. Um, just do one. Like at the end of your career, if you've never done a competition, you, know, you like you want that you want to have had that experience. Don't go through life regretting not doing something. And don't let anybody else tell you that you can't apply to a competition or you won't be good at it. Just do it. And this goes back to the pain deuce things. Like no matter what, like if you have the ability to go compete and you've only been doing it a year, just go. Just compete because you're going to gain so much. It's not always about winning. It's like 50% winning, but the other half's about I'm learning so much about myself and others, and I'm going to be better off you know, knowing that I did this. And I'm not going to have the regret of not competing. So please just go and compete. That's my thought on competitions. Um, and you wanted me to touch on relationships outside of the kitchen. I have an episode uh, coming up with that about you know wellness outside of the kitchen. I stated that before. So I'm going to go into more in depth on that on that episode. But what I can say is for relationships, you need to have time away from work um, for family and friends. I know how it is. You get you have your day off and then like your whole day goes by and you forget to call the people who mean most to you. Um, I've had those days. And then after a while, it's like weeks have gone by and you haven't called a family member. Um, but if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. Uh, I had a situation this last September. Um, close family friend of mine, uh, her name was Effie. Um, it's just, you know, it's a little tough to talk about, but basically, uh, I had to move to the Finger Lakes for a little bit for my dad to go to college. And she was like my best friend out there. She was like my grandma away from home. And all these years I was in college and working, I never called her. I never said hi to her. I never reached out to her as much as I should have. She would send me birthday cards. It would take me a while to get back and say thank you. And this September, she unfortunately passed away. And she passed away 10 minutes before I got to the hospital to say goodbye. And it was a really hard time for me. And it really put into perspective how short life is and how valuable time is. And to make the most of it and to stop making excuses. So if there's someone you've been meeting to call, or if there's someone who you've been meeting to talk to, just do it. Um, that's my biggest advice in relationships is that you have to keep the relationship going because at the end of the day, no matter how stressed you are, no matter how you know tired you are, you need to make an effort to get on the phone and call someone or go visit someone because that person's not going to be there anymore. And at the end of the day, you're just going to be kicking yourself like I did. I mean, I was like totally like defeated after that. I mean, it took me a month to really get back to you know, who I was because it was just so devastating. I literally missed this. I literally missed her by 10 minutes and she meant more than me to me than I ever knew when I was younger. And I had all this, these thank yous in my head ready to say to her. And I never got to say those words. I never got to say, thank you for being that person. Sorry for not reaching out to you more. Uh, I never got to really say goodbye and have that you know, finality to it. So please, I mean, this industry takes a lot of your personal time but don't let it leave you with regret. And please don't let it leave you like it left me for that month. Please take the time to reach out to your family, your friends, your significant other, and just be very conscious that no matter how busy you are, you have the time to kind of get out there and see the people that mean the most to you. Um, <laughs> you know, I talk about Chef Ross a lot. Uh, he's definitely a big part of who I am as a cook and as a person. But he'll always say in the kitchen, you always have time to do the right thing. And I take that outside of the kitchen too. And the fact that you always have time to do the right thing, no matter if it's calling a family member, no matter if it's, you know, peeling garlic the right way in the kitchen, you always have time to do right, do the right thing. Please remember that quote. And yeah, I mean, that's my advice on relationships for now. I'm going to get more into it, but I just want to share that story with you because it's something that was hard for me to deal with at the time. And I don't want any of you cooks to ever go through that. All right, so basically I like to use the last 10 to 15 minutes of my solo podcast to um, talk about some thoughts that you all sent me and just kind of give you some updates or some recommendations on some books or podcasts or music I'm listening to. And I started to do this a little bit with my solo podcast. For those of you who started listening to these solo podcasts, I like, to, like I said, I like to use the last 10 minutes to kind of give you insights on what's going on in my world or like through media or just basically what I'm interested in. In and some thoughts that stood out to me in the last week. Um, so basically, I'll start with a, a book recommendation. Um, so David Chang did a podcast with Adam Grant, uh, and it was basically about being a leader in the kitchen. And Adam Grant is someone who looks at organizations and sees how people are successful or 
or how organizations are successful. And the book I'm reading right now is called Give and Take. And basically the premise of the book is how giving in an organization helps you out in the long term. And he gives a lot of good examples. And he talks about givers and takers and matchers. Those are the people in the books. And takers are people who use other people to, you know, get ahead. And then the matchers are the people who only give what they have received. You know, they do that. Those are the people who are, it's not my job. And then there's givers. And, you know, I try to live my life as a giver and try to work as a giver. And I think it's important for cooks to read because it gets out of the way, you know, the not my job mentality, but it also gives you a sense of why giving can help you in the long run. He gives a lot of good examples. There's a lot of studies on why giving is, is a great but what I really want you to listen to is the podcast between him and David Chang. And they talk about being a leader, leader in the kitchen. And I thought it was very interesting. Like I listened to the whole thing all at once. And usually I listen to my podcast broken up, but I listened to it all at once. And why I thought it was so interesting is because he just talks about the responsibility chefs you know, should have. He, he, he does not know anything about the food industry besides eating. Um, but he, he explains how chefs can use their everyday uh, position to kind of explain how they're going to be or how they could be better leaders. And I'm really, I really suggest listening to that. And I really think that if you are a cook who is interested in business or leadership, you would get a lot out of that. So it's David Chang and Adam Grant. Just look it up on Apple Podcasts. You'll find it or on Spotify and just give it a listen. And I really like David Chang's podcasts in general uh, because he gives – a lot of great insights, and he gets people on who sometimes aren't always chefs. He gets like food critics. Uh, he gets people with uh, music and sports, and I really think it's an interesting podcast to listen to. Uh, the Gary Vee podcast <laughs> is always something I'm listening to. He's got a lot of great content going out. Um, I'm looking at right now which one that I listened to. There was one I listened to a couple days ago that I really, really enjoyed. It was How to Make Every Penny Work Like a Dollar. And it was basically just how you spend your money and how you should focus spending your money. And it wasn't directed towards food people. Uh, none of his podcasts are. I would love to have him on a podcast and talk about, you know, food in general and chefs in general. But I don't know if I'll ever get his attention. But listen to that podcast because basically he goes into depth on, you know, being smart about money as a business and how you can maximize your your income and how you can really just be a more wise business person. And I think a lot of restaurants, you know, it's important that you make money or else you go out of business. And I think surrounding yourself with stuff like that is very important. And lastly, uh, a book I'm really excited about that's not food related. Uh, my One of my favorite rappers, Logic, if you know me, you know I love Logic. His book is coming out the 26th, uh, which should be today, uh, called Supermarket. And basically it's his first novel he's ever written. It's a fiction novel, and I'm very excited for it. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because I I love that he's not staying in the box as a rapper. He wants to be an author. He wants to act. He wants to do television. And that's what I'm trying to explain with cooks. Like, have your side hustles. Even Logic, you know, someone who's making millions and millions a year on rap, is always hustling and doing different things to keep himself entertained and busy. Have something you're passionate about like he is. Have something that, you know, you're working on besides your main your main act, uh, you know, be doing something else because if you ever, your main act isn't what you enjoy, you have something to fall back on. So please always have that side hustle. Like I was saying earlier. All right. So I want to get into some line cook thoughts. Now the thoughts have been really good. I mean, they've always been good, but there's been a lot of good responses. Um, I wanted to shout out at Anna, uh, at Anna Constanta pastry. She does a lot of great work. Um, she just got into the industry a year ago, I think, from when we were talking. And if you check out her page, I share a lot of her uh, cakes. Uh, she messaged me wanting to do a collaboration post on this cake, and it was inspired by the pufferfish mating behavior. If you don't know what it is, look it up on YouTube. But basically, they make this, I don't know, it's almost like a, a dip or like a well in the ocean floor. And it looks really beautiful. And she was able to get this mold maker or a sculptor to make a mold that she made a cake with. And the flavors are white chocolate, goat cheese, and black currants. And it looks beautiful and looks amazing. And her work is just amazing. And I really love sharing it on my page. Uh, so if you have a chance, go check out at Anna Constanta Pastry. Or go to my page and look for a red cake that looks super cool. Um, shout out to you, Anna, for 
getting into the industry in such a short time and making such a big impact. Someone else who's not, who is also using their talent, but also using social media to get ahead. And I'm very excited for her and what she has to do or what she's going to be doing in the next couple of years. All right. Time to get into some thoughts. All right. This one is uh, sent in by at Embaraccio and it got a lot of good responses. And it says, there are a lot of reasons that I love working in this industry. It is a lifestyle, something I participate in every day. There is never a day I don't cook, research, or contemplate food. There's always a challenge that it, that we don't know if we can overcome. We might imagine this is it. This is the one that gets me. There is no coming back from here. Then we put our heads down and work. Eventually, the feeling passes. Despite all the tension and chaos, we come back the next day to try again, cook some more, and get burnt. There's never perfection, but we do learn a little every day. In short, cooking is my time for mental clarity and going further than I thought I could yesterday. And this is why I and so many of you love cooking. It never stops. There's never that feeling that you've mastered it. There's never that feeling that you've conquered it. There's always something to learn. There's always something to gain. And whenever you leave work, you know, there's always that feeling, man, there's still so much to do. Um, and like I said, you know, making sure outside of the kitchen that you have the time for yourself. But this is a craft that you're never going to overcome. It's a craft that you're never going to be a master it's always going to change and evolve food's always going to change and evolve and that's scary and if you can't accept that i know it's a scary thing but you should take it in a positive way because you're always going to learn something you're always going to be engaged and motivated in a new way it's never going to get stale as long as you put your mind to it and keep evolving with it hey this was sent in by at lucas cahoon eight cooking is a search for understanding every culture has a history that influence is that influences its cuisine. <clears throat> okay, this one was sent in from at Lucas Cahoon 8. Cooking is a search for understanding. Every culture has a history that influences its cuisine. Our job is to use that knowledge as a way to connect with people and bring back memories or create new memories using our craft as the medium. Anyone can be trained to cook, but it's the ability to pull from the experiences of yourself and others in order to create something thoughtful that makes what we do unique. I really enjoy this because it's understanding that every culture has something to offer in cooking. And this is another reason why I love it so much. There's always so much to learn and to, you know, become accustomed to. I went, like I said, I went out today to eat with my friend Rebecca and she brought me to this Korean supermarket or this Korean food store. And there's so many ingredients there that I had no idea what I was looking at. And I was just so excited. And um, I want to go back and I want to just pick out like five things and taste and just see what it was like. But, you know, there's so much out there and you're, I don't, you're never going to experience it all, but try experiencing as much as possible. And I think knowing where we came from and knowing the heritage of a certain cuisine is important because it allows you to evolve and grow more with the culture of cooking as a whole. So just be knowledgeable of where your food comes from and be knowledgeable of the cultures that have created it. And, you know, I just love the quote because it's so aware that we had to come from somewhere. So you have to really, you know, you have to really be thoughtful when you're cooking and creating ingredients. All right, this is the last quote I'm going to share for today. It says this by A. Luongo, and her uh, food page is Food by Anna Luongo. And she says, the food industry takes a special type of person. Your gender should not define you. Only your skills and passion for food should define you. The barriers that women must face in this industry is sad, but yet I let these challenges light the fire within me. And this is so important to talk about because – there's still those barriers. There's still those cooks in the kitchen who, you know, hold masculinity high and they just want to, that, you know, the culture's changed and you shouldn't have those barriers if you're a female or and no one should have barriers. Like it should be an even playing field. And I really just love hearing these quotes and these thoughts because it shows me that no matter what someone who's has a negative viewpoint or negative opinion is going to say, you are going to go ahead and keep pushing forward and keep moving on to the next thing. And I really enjoy hearing these quotes because it gives me a sense of pride to be able to share that message with the rest of the Lion Cook Nation. And to have someone, you know, who realizes that it's not just about food, it's about equality and about moving forward and progressing our society as a whole and seeing that food can be that vehicle to do so. I think it's very important. I think that's why restaurants and chefs and cooks as a whole are so important to society and to culture. I think without you know the rise of chefs and cooks, I think society wouldn't be as interesting. It wouldn't be as fun. There's so much out there in terms of cooking and food and new 
ways of learning through food that, you know, they didn't have this 50 years ago. And now we're getting all these different cuisines and cultures at our doorstep. And I'm really excited for the American food scene and the way it's going. And I'm very excited to see old world views smashed and just thrown out the window. And I can't wait to see what happens in the next 10 years in terms of progression of equality and progression of food cultures being more and more recognized. And I'm so excited to see what happens next. So thank you, A. Luongo. All right, y'all, that was the solo episode. Um, I'm so excited to be doing these again, and I really hope to get some feedback on it, and I really want to get more solo episodes recorded and done, but I need I would, I need some more topics to talk about. I mean, I can find my own topics, but at the end of the day, I'm doing these for you. I'm doing these because I care about what you think. So I'm going to be putting out these you know, questions every week. What should I talk about in my next solo episode? you know, what should be, what should come up in my episode. And I really just want to keep building this community by sharing your thoughts and what you want to hear and what you want to talk about. So please, like I said, if you have anything you want to talk about on the podcast, please let me know. And I'm very excited to share this one with you. I'm very excited to be back behind the mic by myself. And I'm very excited to just be talking with y'all as an audience and to kind of get back at it in terms of putting out two podcasts a week. Thank you so much once again for listening. I'm so excited for the next interview. I'm putting out with Chef, with, uh, Chef Michael Carroll, and I can't wait to see you know, what you all think of the solo episodes and what else you want to talk about. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next podcast.